Coffee Carmen Connection is about being human. It's about you choosing to prioritize your well-being, putting the time in to strengthen your resilience to adversity, and being part of a community that holds you accountable and offers support when the going gets tough. Our podcasts bring expert insight and real-life experiences together for you to enjoy and learn what it is that makes us human and how to work with it. Good afternoon, Sandra. Thank you very, very much for joining me today on Coffee, Calm and Connections podcast. This is a bit of a different one for us, isn't it? Yes, it is. It definitely is. <laughs> so I thought what I might do is start by giving a bit of a background about how we know each other. Uh, and then you can give a bit of background about um, who you are and what we're going to do. And then we'll start. So um, Sandra and I um, met via a webinar that Sandra was doing uh, on sort of um, coaching and sort of being your best self, really. And during that, uh, Sandra um, made a comment about doing coaching, which I'll let her explain in a second. And I jumped all over it. And we thought this is the very first coaching session for me delivered by Sandra. And we thought we'd do it as a podcast because hopefully it will give some insight uh, to people listening uh, and be a bit thought-provoking, I suppose. Do you want to give a bit better articulated background, Sandra? Sure. Thank you, Sarah. And thank you so much for having me. This is my first podcast as well. So this is all very exciting and new. Um, so, So thanks for that. Yes, so we did meet during the CII forum, which is really interesting. And we were speaking there around the personal branding. Um, myself, I've been in the insurance industry for over nine years, um, moving around a little bit. And actually, um, last year, after having overcome some of the chronic illness uh, issues that I've had, um, I've decided to set up my own business. Um, there's two parts to it, the change management part, which still links to my old life as a project manager. But more importantly, especially for this, is the coaching side um, services. And the reason for setting it up was all about, as you said, finding your sort of self in a, in a work environment. And what I've realized, and I lived through it, and I know many people have as well, is that often we say, oh, I wish I had this job, or I wish I've achieved this, or I wish I've done that with my business. Um, but actually, we never go ahead and do it. Um, and there are, I, I think there are two reasons. First is our beliefs. So we kind of say to ourselves, I can't, it's too late, I don't have time, etc. And the other one is a bit of a reality check. It's like, do you really want that? Um, you know, is this very important to you? And are you able to put the work into it? So um, what we'll be doing here today in our coaching as well is sort of working through that. And I try to combine coaching, mindfulness and project management together to help you achieve whatever it is that it will you know you decide your goal is and decide what you want to do and when I was doing my presentation on the CII forum I sort of said well I'm studying currently as well towards my coaching certification so I'm offering some of that coaching um, at the moment and you know and you've sort of put your hand up which was great um, and and this is why we're here and I'm really excited to um, to work with you. Me too. I think it's going to be really cool. I have done um, various forms of coaching throughout my life. Um, I'm using coaching in a really broad sense. So I've done um, business coaching, uh, which was very specifically in the early days of of, uh, one of my other businesses. 
Uh, in fact, I've done several different types of business coaching. I've also done um, CBT therapy. I've done psychotherapy. And I definitely think those are kind of a, a form of, of coaching. And part of Coffee Karma Connection is absolutely my journey from where I am now to where I want to be. And that encompasses business, um, sort of personal goals, health goals, um, et cetera, et cetera. So when uh, I heard what you were doing and through the conversations we've had, I think we're quite aligned in a lot of things. I thought this would be quite a fun thing to do. But also, I've got a face like a book. If I think it, you can see it. And I've got no problems with being transparent and open and, and, and all of this kind of stuff. So what I'm hoping is through these conversations, other people will get something out of them because they might be able to answer the questions you're asking for themselves. Something I say might prompt them. An issue I have, you might be able to point me in the direction which might help them. So, so that really is what I want to do here. So for me and for anybody who can relate to me, uh, let's go. Question me. Yes. Well, thanks for that, because that, that's fantastic. I think that combines the two things, doesn't it, that I'm also personally, uh, personally passionate about. So, right, let's get into it. So you've mentioned a little bit that you're familiar with coaching, and as you said, you've done CBT, which is different, uh, but it does have element to it. Um, you've done uh, business coaching, again, very much sort of structured on the strategy and your business itself. So when when I've mentioned this coaching, you, you were pretty quick to jump into it and be like, yeah, I'll be up for that. Um, you know, what what prompted you to ask for coaching? What what was that that came up for you that was like, yeah, I would like that? I think I'm in a bit of a, um, a crossroads of, of life. Crossroads perhaps isn't the right the right way. It's just I'm 38. I've got three children. I've got three businesses. And... I am juggling a massive amount of stuff. And I probably think 60% of it is stuff in my head that if I could just put down worry, anxiety, guilt, worry again, and a bit more worry, if I could just put that down, I would free up a lot of mental space that would help me focus on uh, my businesses, uh, help me focus on my children, help me focus on my health without feeling like I'm spinning too many plates. So... Mm -hmm. So part of, um, so my sort of background is, um, is from, a, I'm talking specifically mental health wise, has always been, um, I almost describe it as manic. So I'm a very all or nothing person in every area of my life. Uh, because yeah. I don't work in a big corporate, because I work for myself, I don't really distinguish between personal and professional life. I just know it must be possible to do all of the things I want to do, achieve all of the things I want to achieve and not break in the in the meantime. So I suppose what I'm really looking for is ways to identify what blockers I am putting in the way of myself and then get out of the way of myself. I, I do a lot of reading around mindfulness. I've done a lot of uh, meditation stuff. I've done a lot of gratitude stuff. And to be honest, I don't, I don't find they work for me. And that, that, you know, is partly me being in the way of myself. It's partly the way I think about it. I just, I need to reframe some of my beliefs about myself, about the world. And that's really what I am hoping you can help me do. That's, that's very, thank you for, for sharing that. That's very interesting. It's, it's, um, 
you've mentioned mindfulness and it's such a buzzword and I even used it right that I bring in mindfulness um into the life um but there is a lot of if you a person like you mentioned all or nothing you take mindfulness you read a book and you're like okay unless I'm the guru right now as of tomorrow it's like what's the point right so it becomes yet another task and actually becomes yet another overwhelming thing which is counterproductive to what it's supposed to be doing so it's it's good to hear that you're aware of that and and it's good to hear that you know you've tried it you've tried different things but something is not fully um clicking that and and we'll try and we'll try and get to it so Thank you for that. So um, if you were to name the goals, so if we were to say work together for the next six or eight sessions, what would be, what would make you feel, how do you think it would feel at the end of these sessions? What's the kind of feeling you want to have there? What's the, what do you want to get rid of? Is, is, imagine yourself in six sessions um, away. How are you feeling then? That's a really difficult one because I don't know how you identify, I don't ever think you get to the end of this process of Mm self-development. I suppose a significant move forward, and I have moved forward significant leaps in the last year, but I suppose the next kind of step might be uh, an intangible, which is just to feel in myself more focused which is probably not what you want because how do you how do you turn that into a sort of an objective goal but but see even within it I don't have expectation so it could be you could even turn around and say I do not know (laughs) and that's absolutely fine because we're going to work through that but what you've what you've given, what you've said now aligns with what you were saying, which is at the moment it's a little bit manic, there's a lot going on, um, and is how do I bring that uh, balance in and how do I remove some of that uh, anxiety and the guilt, the, the intangible things in the background. So actually by you saying, well, in a few sessions' time, if I can ease some of that and I can feel less uh, and can feel more focused rather than anxious or worrying then that would be an outcome so and I suppose having some strategies for when Mm. the six eight sessions are done to Mm. recognize ah this is a slippery slope this is Mm -hmm. what I'm going to do to prevent it so that actually would be a a good uh, outcome okay fantastic Okay, and you've mentioned you've done some already things in the past and you've seen a significant improvement. What has worked for you so far and what hasn't? So I've had, and it's through Coffee Calm Connection, I've had some really interesting conversations with a number of different professionals, yourself included. And what I'm always looking for is kind of, I really believe that you can say the same thing in multiple different ways and each individual that hears it will take something different from it. And I know that I've had so many times in my life where somebody has phrased something slightly differently and it will be the same concept I've heard again and again and again, but this particular phrasing really resonates. It gives me that aha moment of, oh my God, that's what people have been talking about. So that I understand it on an emotional level and not just on a logical level. 
And something happened that was quite pivotal. There's a few things happened recently. But one of the, the sort of aha moments I had that's really helped is this, this idea that... So I'm going to talk about weight now. Uh, so I know lots mm-hmm. of women are, uh, you know, and men and people are, you know, health conscious. And, and I've been on a diet as long as I can remember. And I was talking to my personal trainer and I said to her, um, oh, I've got this dinner party on Saturday. What do I do? And she said, well, is this your real life? And I was like, yeah. And she said, then you go to the dinner party. And in your real life, do you want to enjoy it? I was like, yeah. And she was like, then you go to the dinner party and you enjoy it. And you stop all of that rhetoric about, I shouldn't, this is bad. You're a horrible, you stop all of that because this is real life and you want dinner parties to be part of it. So go. And what I found with that, it's the same old concept that everybody's ever said to me, enjoy life right now, like blah, blah, blah. But actually what it, 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 it opened the door to going, oh yeah, this is not like I'm on a diet and I can enjoy this when. This is real life right now. And what I noticed was taking all that negative rhetoric away, mm-hmm. I was naturally much more moderate than I would otherwise have been. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So otherwise, I, it would almost have been a punishment and I'd have eaten too much, I'd have drunk too much, I'd have felt crap the next day. But I naturally didn't do that. And it, and it, and it was all because of that aha moment. So that idea has kind of wended its way. A second thing that's really opened to me is gratitude journaling is something that I used to try and do mindfulness is something that I used to try and do and like you said it was another task on my to-do list then I realized through an app that I was just playing around with um, that was about taking pictures of plants and um, sounds a bit weird but I don't know anything about plants and I could kill a plastic plant like I'm not green fingered at all so I was quite interested to like learn oh what's this plant like um So there was no other agenda other than interest and enjoyment. Mm. It wasn't an agenda to be grateful. It wasn't an agenda to be mindful. It was just interest and enjoyment. And the other things came naturally. So it kind of got me thinking, rather than leading with logic and a to-do of all of these things, if you lead with emotion, positive emotion, interest and enjoyment, just perhaps the other stuff will come in. So those were my kind of two learnings over the last few months that have actually made a fundamental difference to the way my brain is working. I keep catching myself in that um, trap and going, oh, no, wait, we made a new plan. Now that's that and that that these moments are so important isn't it because sometimes you sort of speak through as you said the same thing over and over and then just something clicks for you something happens and you know it so that's why it's important to keep on talking about this and keep on rethinking and really I mean mindfulness anything around changing our mindset is so difficult because it's all about habits and habits especially when it comes to our habits that are linked to our minds to our beliefs to our um, confidence is so deeply engraved in us that it's not going to happen overnight. It is a very small steps at a time. I mean, I, I often talk about, and we will be talking a lot about this, is how small can the step be during your day? Because sometimes we, even with the gratitude journals, as you say, people go, well, I need to write every day half an hour. No, you don't. You could just write one word 
or uh, you could spend just a minute on something. It doesn't have to be a big thing because it's about slowly introducing the change. So I'm really pleased to hear you've had some of those aha moments, which is fantastic. So if we think back to the guilt and anxiety that seems to be coming up quite a lot in this conversation, are there any, have you identified any particular triggers or areas where you feel the most guilt and anxiety around? I actually had the conversation a few days ago with my husband. My uh, kids trigger guilt and anxiety. They, in, 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 many interactions that I have with them and that's not on them that's entirely on me so if they have a strop or an argument or have had a bad day at school or talk back to me which happens you know every second uh, or don't go to bed properly it triggers negative emotion and the negative emotion can never come with without self-blame so the re they've spoken back to me because I haven't parented properly. They've spoken back to me because I haven't given them enough attention. They've spoken back to me because I've given them too much sugar. They've spoken back to me because blah, 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 and you get the idea. Um, yeah. or, and the same thing with, art, with, with everything. And actually, on balance, when I try to be objective, they are good kids. They are really good kids, and they're normal, and they do normal kid things. But I take everything out of proportion uh, and, and attribute a whole layer of future um, things that will come out of this particular behaviour obviously means that Ollie's going to be in jail by the time he's 16 for some horrific crime. No, it doesn't, Sarah. Bring mm. yourself down. Or, my, you know, my daughter's stolen half the yesterday's dinner or tomorrow's dinner, which obviously means she's going to have an eating disorder in the future. So this sort of category. <laughs> Uh, yeah. catastrophization that's the word I'm looking for I do that quite a lot but almost on a subconscious level and that brings a lot of worry as well isn't it to the future so it's kind of constant being thinking what else can happen but as well blaming on yourself are there any other areas so um, kids one area which is a big area in your life um, are there any other areas that come up for you as well um I would say that imposter syndrome is something that I am very, very um, closely related to in a number of areas. Um, and I often find that most interactions I have on a business level, I'll have some kind of self-evaluation afterwards. And some go, well, and my sort of overriding feeling when I come out of a meeting with a prospect or a client or, you know, something that's put me slightly out of my comfort zone, I'll come out of it and go, yeah, actually, that felt good. Within half an hour, I've picked holes in it to the point of, oh, you should probably never show your face again in public. Uh, and yeah. I do that a lot. Um, yeah. I'm starting to become aware of doing it and have to just kind of distract, move on, distract, move on. But it, But it does... It's almost circular. When I'm in a place where I'm feeling particularly plate spinning, it happens more. When I'm much more relaxed, it, it happens less. Yeah, and then that's natural because you're starting to think what else can go wrong and what else is happening, and and that can that can and imposter syndrome keeps on coming up, and maybe on the controversial side, but um, I feel like imposter syndrome doesn't 
doesn't ever fully go away, I think, for some of us, especially when we are very much self-aware. But it goes back to what you've said, the goal is to have the tools to deal with it. So it comes up, okay, what do I do with it? How do I treat it? And I go away. And I think imposter syndrome very often is linked to our need to satisfy everyone and inability to say, but you know what? I did my best. They liked it great. They didn't. That's fine too. I move forward. Um, and very often we struggle with that because we constantly want to improve, especially when we're very much a self-aware people, uh, which um, which fits within that. So we have kids, imposter syndrome, which is business related, any other areas that come up? Like everything, everything, depending on where my head is at, can cause issues. So, I mean, there's been times where... Um, where the icing on the cake happens and it's something ridiculous like my husband's left his socks behind the bathroom door why can't you put it in the washing basket everybody else can um <laughs> you know that 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 sparks the 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 mental breakdown or or um but i do spend an awful lot of time worrying worrying about other people's perception of whether i've done my best I know I've done my best, but I don't think it was good enough. Do you know I've done my best or do you think I'm being slack? That type of um, sort of uber control, uber um, high standard um, and anything less than the highest standard isn't good enough. And I, and I don't just do it to me. I do it to people around me. Like I hold myself accountable to here. Why do you not? Um, you know, I'm aware that's not a very nice trait. So um <laughs> Uh, I, I try to pipe that down, but I do it to my kids, to my husband, friends, colleagues, you know, yeah. uh, that, that's, that's something I'd like to maybe work on slightly. And I think, you know, it's, it's the, the reason why I always pushed and I was glad to hear a bit of a moment of a pause of you thinking, hmm, what else comes up there is because what often happens is, especially when you've read a lot of self-awareness, you've been thinking about it quite a lot. You have these very quick answers at the top of your head. But actually, what we want to get to is that next level where you start thinking, well, mm, I don't know, I need to have a think about it a little bit more. Because this is when we really start to get to things that are not at the front and are not the easy answers. This is where you really start to trigger and your thinking and start to think, OK, what is it that is really not working here? Do you um, know one of the biggest things which you've just... <laughs> kind of has just kind of come to mind one of the biggest anxieties I have is that around health physical and mental and I would say it's probably uh, quite disproportionate to the, the the reality maybe or maybe not I don't know um, but I an example we had a, a conversation in the office today uh, which was one of my colleagues said oh I'm drinking too much coffee so I'm going to bring Ribena in. And my immediate response was, coffee's better for you than Ribena because Ribena's full of sugar. And if you don't have sugar in your coffee, then actually, why would you replace those two things? And that's what yeah. I said. And everybody else in the office was like, whoa, don't speak to her about this. She'll go off on one about aspartame and, and, and artificial sweeteners and blah, blah, blah. And I, um, and I, you know, we had a good chuckle and Sarah's being Sarah again. But actually, that is a massive trigger for me. Like, I, I can't... I worry so much about health, mental and physical, and the ultimate effect that will have on my body, the longevity of life, uh, the effect on my children. Like, and and when when I, you know, have a, a um, I don't know, crap dinner, 
uh, and I just give the kids something, a microwaveable meal or something like that. I, it's not like a, it's not like a self berating, like, oh, you know, I'm a bad mom because it's a self berating of you are going to kill them next week because you gave them a microwavable meal. It is completely disproportionate. And, and that, that is, a, that's a really big trigger for me. And, and yet I'm not by any means anti microwavable meals. And I have eaten three shortbreads today and I shouldn't have done and blah, 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 you know? Yes. And that's, you know, that's, um, I think that's all linking back to kind of holding the responsibility of everything and everyone around you. So it's kind of, again, going all in or nothing. So it's like, I'm going to save the everyone, whatever I do has a effect on me for the rest of my life. So if I eat free biscuits, that means I'm going to have diabetes in a few years time. Uh, it's, it's that pattern of constant what's the worst case scenario because I've done something so that has to have an immediate, well, not immediate, but that will have an impact because it's all or nothing all mm -hmm. the time. So that's that's a stressful thing to carry, actually, um, in, in your business, in your life. So on top of the fact that you are busy, um, as you've mentioned in your private and in your business life, having that burden to carry around must be very heavy. Yeah. So, um, so if we, the themes that we come up with here, and I think the things that the way we can work on it together is because all these examples you've given are different examples to be sort of from the external perspective, right? Because we have kids, we have business imposter syndrome, we have health and mental health. Um, but actually, it all comes down to, um, your beliefs about yourself, your beliefs about how others perceive you, how you perceive the world, and the ex the constant expectation of kind of being the best and doing everything at the best level. So sort of not allowing yourself to sometimes not go 100% or not allowing yourself to sometimes not do something. And that's absolutely fine as well. So... um one thing that keeps on coming up to me, and I wonder how much work you've done around that, is kind of, and, and in the presentation you attend that I spoke about personal branding, but it's not the branding itself, it's, it's around who am I and am I comfortable with within myself? How much work have you done around that? Not, not really anything yeah. external, um, and it's really hard to have a conversation with yourself about it that is anything other than circular. Um, yeah. It is something I think about, but I've never done anything external other mm. than with one business coach, we had a, we did a piece on, you know, your values, yeah. um, which I didn't really get right, if I'm honest. I, I was kind of a bit like, oh, I don't know, but this is not what I want to do. I want to do this. So, um, so no, I haven't done much work on that. Okay, because... One of the ways to try and unpick where the anxiety is coming from and where the um, guilt is coming from is actually going back to the core of am I comfortable with me? And that is a very difficult thing to do. And it's, as you said, you have, you have thought about it, but you haven't really done it with anyone else and you haven't probably spent a lot of time because actually spending time on ourselves is challenging, even though we often, we spend 
ridiculous amount of time hearing what others think of us <laughs> right and we constantly so you know we constantly go oh is this what this person thinks about me what this person how does this person think I came across we do so much of that but we never actually do enough of who am I what am I am I comfortable with that because I think they, that's the title of this podcast am I comfortable with me yeah basically because once you get comfortable with it have some of the anxieties and guilt will start to not fade away because it will take time to bring that confidence back into your life so we'll talk about the various tools that you can use and how to identify the triggers but actually a lot of anxiety and um, guilt comes from us always wanting to be someone else or doing something else because we think that's the right thing to do without actually going, no, I don't do this or I'm okay with not doing this. I will no longer feel the guilt because that is the person that I am and that's what makes me. Um, so how, when I speak about it, how do, what comes up for you? How do you feel about that? I'm wondering how to figure out if I'm comfortable with me in a non-circular, internal, unhelpful way? How, how do I do that? How do I figure out who I am and whether I like it or not? Right, so very good question. And that's not a one easy answer, right? That is something that um, I'll give a few examples here because we speak and we want to make sure that triggers um, for, for other people for listening. And that's something we'll definitely be deep diving uh, in our individual sessions. But a few things that you can do is thinking, um, and it's a bit of a homework exercise, um, but thinking about what is it that you enjoy? What is it that you do easily? So I, I often, um, I'm sure you're familiar with a SWOT analysis, right, which is strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. I actually use this um, SWOT analysis and I change the kind of descriptions within it. Um, and that's something I will be sending you after this session um, to have a look at it. Is you start to think about your strengths. Your strengths is very much something that you know you can do. You are known for and people say that about you and you also say that about you. So the strength is very much, it comes easy, you do it, it's no brainer. When someone asks you, who is Sarah? You can say it straight away. Everyone else can say it about you. Opportunity is something that um, is becomes so easy for you that you probably don't even realize it. And the way I think about opportunity is imagine when you look sometimes at people or you look at how people do stuff and they struggle with it and you go, well, that's so easy. Why do they struggle with that? And I'm sure you have these moments, right? We all do. We may not speak about it out loud, but we all do. This is the opportunity. This is something that's natural. This is something that it's a skill that you have, that you've always had, and you probably don't realize you have it because it's just so natural for you. Um, so think about that uh, area. And then you have your threats. These are things that you do because it's part of your job, part of your life. It's just you have to do it. But actually, if you had a choice, if you had all the resources in the world, all the money, all the people around you, all the spare time, everything, and you didn't have to do it, would that make you happy? Would, would that be something that you actually 
you know, enjoy, uh, enjoy removing, if that makes sense. So it's the reason why I call it a fret is because it's something you do and subconsciously you really don't enjoy it and it's slowly eating away at you. And this is where your probably guilt and anxiety comes from. And then the weakness is something that you know you don't do. Again, you feel very comfortable about it. This is not the person that you are. This is, um, you know, you're not a person that, um, I don't know, uh, likes to lie a lot and um, steal. Uh, you know, you know you're not that person. So that's how I look at it. And when you start dividing it that way, so it can be feelings, it can be um it can, it can be describing the emotions, it can be describing feelings, it can be describing tasks, because it depends if you're talking about business or personal, it can be both. Don't um, put an expectation of what should or shouldn't be in these boxes, just go with what feels natural. And when you do that, you start what we would then do in a session, because I would ask you to do an exercise like this and then start reading it out. And I'll continue asking you a prompting question. Why did you put it? What comes up for you when you say that? What is really behind it? You kind of go to the next level of this. You start to come up with a pattern and you start to come up with a pattern of being comfortable to have something in the area where that's just not me. And I'm okay. You have a pattern of an area that like, yeah, that is me. I actually should own this now. That is me. And you also start to see, okay, now in order for me to decrease the guilt, decrease the anxiety and increase my confidence, what's my threats and what are my um, opportunities and where the balance sits and what can I do to bring that balance towards strength and weaknesses. Because really what you want to get to is you want to get to an area where you are very comfortable with who you are and very comfortable with who you're not and have a very small chunk of the balancing between things you don't necessarily want to be but you may have to and things that you are not conscious that you are actually very good at. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I think I'll find it quite difficult to do. Mm. But yeah, it, it it does make sense, and already I'm I'm already thinking of counter arguments to it, right? Um, <laughs> because that's how awkward I am. So one of the things I said, so I have always been, and I would think would be either in a strength or opportunity. I'm not quite clear on on the differentiation yet. Um, is I can talk to people. There, there are not many people that I can't talk to. Yeah. Um, so I suppose uh, sociable would be something that you might say that is. So I had a thing, and this might be a, a fallout from COVID, it might be a, form, a fallout from stress levels, but I said to one of my colleagues the other day, actually, I'm just getting a whole world of anxiety about having to go back out to meetings and traveling and, and, and all of these things. And actually, I don't want to do it anymore, so I think I'm in the wrong business, right? Right. And he said... That's nonsense. That is absolute nonsense. You have always been able to make friends in an empty room. This is stress talking, right? And I thought about it and I thought, you're probably right, but what if you're not? And I don't know the answer to that right now. I don't know. What I can tell you is I uh, was at an event on Monday, which was a business meeting, a conference with 12, 13 people, uh, I had to travel six hours there, six hours back in an overnight, and I loved it. It was great. I enjoyed the driving. I enjoyed the morning. Last week, 
uh, I had a night, uh, 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 an event, evening event, and I stayed in a hotel and I went uh, with a friend and a colleague uh, and I didn't really enjoy it. Like, I didn't uh, gel well, I felt uncomfortable, I was tired. Discuss. So, so I, I can't... So then I'm also thinking about the, the healthy eating stuff. I would say it's a strength because I have an awareness and a desire to, to, to do that. But, and I, I want to be known as that and I want to be that person. And I am in some days and I'm really not in another's. Where the hell does that fit? And I think these are, these are really, thank you for sharing that because they are very good examples. And, you know, we won't be able to kind of get into it in this session but this is exactly what you want to flashing out and you you can have a separate line next to the four boxes where you're like I don't know um because this is the part that we want to get to and it's interesting um you know you've mentioned about you were definitely before COVID a very social person out there being able to speak to anyone and then you're kind of going mm, I don't think I, I can do that I don't think I am that social person and then you tried and on one you were, on one the other you went. And it's one of the things that I think we don't, we don't accept is that we change, right? And the various situations in our life will impact the way we are. So we're not constant. I mean, one thing, and this is very cliche saying, I know, but one thing that's constant in our life is change, right? But it's very true. Um, and and it, does, it does apply to us as well. So... The exercise that I'm talking about is for the current situation, is the current you that you feel comfortable with. It will change. It will change depending on your situation, depending on what happens. So probably every so often you look at this list and you go, actually, that's no longer me, or actually that is me now. And that's fine. And what we we would do is we would take some of those because some things will be very obvious for you and some things will be on that scale of like I'm not sure so um the the social I'll, I'll keep on using being being social what's very important in doing this exercise and when thinking really to the core of who am I as a person you first said I like talking to people and then you've given it a name I'm social Right. Now, that could be two different things to many of us, or probably people listening to it, being social and talking to people may, may mean so many different things. So the next level will be, if you're uncertain of this, is me asking you a definition of what, what you think talking to people means and what you think social means. So again, we often assign labels um, of what we think we should be doing. But actually, it's again, we're going back to who are you as a person? What does that mean to you? And that getting her, um, putting labels around it that we don't actually know what it means to us is also, uh, it, it could be a, a, a sort of putting us in that spiral of like, I have to be that person or I have to be social because I like talking to people. I think that's really interesting because this idea of labeling is something I think quite a lot about because I think every label ever comes with a judgment and a self-definition and everybody's definition is ever so slightly different. But you can't pretend there's no judgment there. There's always a judgment with a label and it might be a positive judgment, it might be a negative, it might be a neutral judgment, but you still have a judgment. So so I, I, have an, I often have a bit of a sort of 
toing and froing about my feeling on labels. And, and, and I was having this thought to myself the other day. I remember doing some counseling or coaching somewhere or reading something, and I can't remember what or when, but it basically said, if you can identify the feeling and label it, it's very powerful because you've then put it in a box and you know how to deal with it. And my self-thought while I was walking was, I actually don't know that I agree with that because the label comes with a judgment and then an expectation. And sometimes there's a difference between the judgment and the expectation. And that, that differential causes an awful lot of, of aggro for people, for me, certainly. So I, I, I find that you've just mentioned labeling quite interesting because it's something that I was literally thinking about a few days ago, may even have been yesterday, by myself walking along. <laughs> This is the kind of stuff that happens in my head. <laughs> because I completely agree with you. And that's why I ask what your definition of a particular word is. Because we all... Now, bear in mind, this exercise, I mean, if you want, you can share it with others. But this is an exercise for you to understand. So the way you use this exercise um, once you know... So you know you're a person that likes to talk to a lot of people. And you know what that actually means to you. To you, and I'm making stuff up here... To you, it means talking to people in person when there is less than three people around, right? But to me, it means calling you on a phone and speaking to you for hours, but never speaking, talking to people when, I, when we're talking about in person, right? So talking to people means two different things to two different people. So you know, for you, it means this. So next time when someone says to you, oh, come on, you, you are this person that likes to talk. Surely you can talk to 100 in a room full of 100 people and the networking. You always talk to people. You can say, well, I do. And I feel very comfortable in doing that when there is three of us, not when there is 100 of us. So when there is 100 of us, anxiety kicks in. So I need to now apply my tools in order to work with this anxiety because I need to put myself into this room of 100 people. You also have a choice not to, but say you are in a situation that you do have to go and network with the 100 people. You know that you are good in this, but not in that particular setting. So you use your tools to overcome your anxiety. So labels are very dangerous. I agree with you because they put the kind of social pressure, expectation pressure, which is why I always ask and, and try to never assume what do you mean by a particular word? What do you mean by particular trade, feeling, whatever it is? So you actually say it out loud and you feel comfortable with that definition. Mm. I think that is really powerful. And I'm just thinking through in my head, um, and this might be the difference between strength and opportunity. I am relatively good at going into a room of people I don't know and talking to them, and making friends, and making connections, and it is something that is not, I've never had to think about how to do it, it just happens naturally. It doesn't tend to phase me, I'm not talking about standing up and talking to 100 people, that would make me nervous, but just going into a room of people I don't know, and then finding someone to make friends with, or several someones to make friends with, I've got no issue with. But... That has been extended from other people's expectations to think that actually I might, I should be very easy and natural and good at, st I mean, my previous life, I trained as a barrister. So that talking is, you know, assumed Sarah will be fine to talk to this hundred uh, 
Sarah will be fine to give this presentation to the world. Sarah will be fine to do this because she's good at talking to people. So I'm really interested that you've made that distinction because for me, imposter syndrome comes in and I can think of two recent occasions where I have been going, why am I not fine doing this? Why am I so nervous? And you've just hit the nail on the head. It's because this perception of what I'm good at is in my head is is like the, the, the definition is different to w- what the reality is. So that's quite interesting. I, I'm, I'm going to do this SWOT analysis and I would recommend to anybody listening that they give it a go because I think it could be quite powerful, especially if you keep thinking, what do I mean by this? And what questions do I have that come out of it? Yes, and, and I'm really glad you, you say that and it resonates because it's you've mentioned the word should and um, it's... It's the word I use as well, and I really become conscious of the word should because we so often are told, well, you should be like this or you should be feeling comfortable with this. It's like, no, (laughs) you know, I shouldn't. (laughs) Or maybe I should. It's my decision. It's certainly not external person's decision whether I should or shouldn't because they've Mm -hmm. seen me do something or they haven't. So it's interesting that you've, you've kind of picked up on that. I would suggest, you know, and I'm, I'm, um, I would suggest starting with that, and that's something we'll definitely work on a bit more, and and we'll start picking at these various things. And what will happen over time is we'll create a sort of a, a confidence within you of like, okay, yes, I am. No, I'm not. These are my boundaries. This is what I can and can't. Well, this is what I, I where I kind of draw a line and where I have to put myself outside of my comfort zone. I mean, I'm sure you've heard about the comfort zone sort of circle in the zone, outside of zone, and you always have to be on the edge. But I feel like there is sometimes a moment where you don't always have to be on the edge, especially when you are very busy. But I'm kind of going off the, off the topic here. But, but these are the things that we'll get to because really the, the way um, I, think I, I try to work is – is that stop. It, it, I, I call it stop, breathe, enjoy methodology because it's like stop. Okay, wait, what is going on here? You know, what? who are you as a person? What are the things that are coming up for you? What are the things that are triggering here? Because there tends to be patterns. Then breathing. Okay, what is the tools that I can have when I am uncomfortable, when these things are coming up for me? And then it's like, how do I actually make them my habits? How do I bring them into my life without overburning? Because if we overwhelm you and we start burning you out, we'll be back at square one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things we'll probably see as we work together is we may get to a point where we've come up with free tools, we've made some steps forward, and actually we say, Do you know what, we're going to pause here. Because um, I read the book... Um, long time ago actually now um i've attended this women leadership uh, course and um the lady it's a hundred reason um why uh why was why women don't get a corner office it's a very old book right but it kind of talks through these hundred reasons and it's brilliant it, it it asks you to take a test at the beginning and then it tells you which chapters you should go into where your areas of concerns are but one thing that this book says and this sticks to me and it's certainly something i encourage um the clients that i work with is it says do not try to change hundred things at the same time <laughs> you know and it's and it's true it says pick one or two once that becomes your confidence maybe pick your another one or two and that's the same thing here we're going to see how far we can go we're going to see 
try and unpick that guilt and anxiety triggers, put some tools in and see how that embeds. I think that's fabulous. Really fabulous. And I'm really looking forward to this program with you. I think it's going to be awesome. Can I just read you something? It's something that I saw on Facebook of all places this morning and it resonated with me and it's a poem that somebody's written and the lady who's written it is called Becky Hamsley. I don't know Becky. Uh, it's a, a friend that's put it. I don't know if Becky is a friend of this friend that's posted it, but I just thought it was beautiful. Okay, I'm going to read it to you. Mm -hmm. She sat at the back and they said she was shy. She led from the front and they hated her pride. They asked her advice, then questioned her guidance. They branded her loud, then were shocked by her silence. When she shared no ambition, they said it was sad. So she told them her dreams and they said she was mad. They told her they'd listen, then covered their ears. They gave her a hug while they laughed at her fears. And she listened to all of it, thinking she should be the girl they told her to be best as she could. But one day she asked what was best for herself instead of trying to please everyone else. So she walked to the forest and stood with the trees. She heard the wind whisper and dance with the leaves. She spoke to the willow, the elm and the pine, and she told them what she'd been told time after time. She told them she felt she was never enough. She was either too little or far, far too much. Too loud or too quiet, too fierce or too weak, too wise or too fo foolish, too bold or too meek. Then she found a small clearing surrounded by firs and she stopped and she heard what the trees said to her. And she sat there for hours not wanting to leave for the forest said nothing, it just let her breathe. I think that's beautiful. How beautiful. That is and it really... Just this conversation, and it was this morning that I read it, and I saved it because I thought that's so beautiful, and I just I had to share that with you and with anyone else listening because it kind of encapsulates what we've just been talking about. It really does. That is beautiful. That is a really beautiful poem, and yeah, it, oh, fantastic! fantastic. <laughs> if if, if this ever gets to Becky Hamley, who is a friend of my friend Sharon on Facebook, and Sharon and I met in France in a Euro camp about six years ago. Becky, I want to have you on the podcast. I think you're amazing. Absolutely amazing. Definitely. Oh, wonderful. Please do let me know if you find Becky. <laughs> yeah, if I find <laughs> Becky. We, we should also make this hashtag find Be Becky Hamsley. <laughs> yeah, no, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, Sandra. I cannot thank you enough for your time. I've really enjoyed it. If anybody listening wants to talk to Sandra about coaching, um, she does do one-to-one -one coaching. It's what we're doing. This is the first session, so yours will probably be quite similar. Um, and uh, hopefully what we've talked about is giving you some thought-provoking moments. Uh, and if not, and you've just listened to me ramble about my crazy, then hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you, Sandra. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Your reviews, shares and followership is incredibly valuable to us. If you'd like to know more about our work through Coffee, Calm and Connection and how we can support you, please email us at hello at coffeecalmconnection.org or follow us on social media. Thank you.